DIY Health Radio here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network and simulcasting on Spreaker. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Thursday, December 29th, 2022. Only a couple days left in this year. This is the last live show of 2022. Want to welcome everybody, including the folks in the chat room. Morning, Alan. <laughs> anyway, uh, this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, uh, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing it's missing is the raw materials. When you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the iTeraCare device, which is featured prominently at the top of the homepage. And uh, there's all kinds of information there about it. There's downloadable flyers and brochures, uh, information about the other products as well, including the Ion Shield, which is a really cool little thing that hangs around your neck and blows uh, negative ions in up towards your face which kills all the little bugs and all the other stuff, dust and smoke particles and all that kind of junk, just basically purifies the air that you're breathing. And it basically does what face masks claim to do, but don't. And uh, just sort of hangs there. It's electronic. It's about the size of a, oh, between a quarter and a 50 cent piece uh, uh, diameter wise, but it's about a, maybe three eighths of an inch thick. And electronic, it has a little uh, charging port on the back that's magnetic, and the, the cable comes with it. You plug it into a USB charger, and it takes about 45 minutes to charge, and it'll run for somewhere between 8 and 14 hours, uh, pretty much all day long for you. And uh, just basically does all kinds of neat little things. And there's a brochure and uh, information about that, and uh, lots of other stuff. So check that out. There's also a link to the... Uh, a dedicated site for the device, and that's where you can order. And all of the things that uh, Prife International, which is the company that makes the uh, device, um, basically everything they make is on the site there. And uh, if you click the Get Started Now button, it will bring you to the order page. When you see the thing that says the amount, you just put the amount for the device you're looking for in there. And where it says uh, Remarks, that's where your name goes. Unfortunately, it should say name, but, you know, you know, this is a, a website that's put together by folks in Malaysia. They don't think quite the same way we do. And uh, 
we're they're working on clearing things up to make stuff a little bit easier to deal with and that kind of thing but uh, i've had people say hello and one wand and all kinds of stuff in the remarks box but the only thing that should go in there is your name and that way it tells me who sent the money because otherwise i can't connect the, the funds that came in to the order and that's not a good thing so uh, make sure your name goes in there and in the remarks box and everything else will be fine from that point. I'll take care of all the rest and your device will get there quick and easy and all that good stuff and you'll be ready to roll. So anyway, uh, have fun on the website while you're there and be sure and hit the radio shows tab. At the top of the page is the link to the Facebook or excuse me, the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm. We're pushing a thousand shows there now and uh, we also are archiving on Spreaker. Uh, since what September, I think uh, September 12th, there's like 90 shows there. And um, the nice thing about Spreaker, it has uh, downloads. And uh, unfortunately, Castbox doesn't do that unless you know how to get into the inner workings and coding of the system. Uh, so it's kind of a pain. But um, anything since uh, September is archived on Spreaker, and you can download it there. So that's pretty cool. And uh, the links are on my on that website as well, uh, right below where the uh, archive page is. You'll see the show's information and where you, uh, how you you know what when they're on and how you listen. And if you click the link for Spreaker, that basically all the shows are aired there and archived there now. So that makes life a little bit easier. Also, uh, at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel, which is where most things get posted because Telegram doesn't. Uh, uh, sensor like Facebook does. So anyway, that's all that. And uh, you can also, uh, well, keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on the show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Truth Frequency Radio Network, its owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. And I did say TFR this time, Alan, <laughs> unlike Tuesday when I said some other network that I used to be on. I get these things mixed up from time to time. I get rattling on, but uh, I got it right today. Also, the number to call into the show is 213-233-3998. That's 213-233-3998. One last time, 213-233-3998. And uh, that's pretty much it for the uh, housekeeping stuff, I guess you could say. And good heavens, we're changing all the dates for the next week. Man, the next show, live show, will be January 3rd, 2023. Woo, doggies. My goodness. Anyway, it's the end of the year. And, uh, you know, usually this time of year I talk a little bit about weight loss. <laughs> <laughs> because people tend to uh, put on some extra winter tonnage, you might say, uh, eating all the stuff, the holiday foods and all that kind of junk. And um, I'm happy to say that I haven't really been doing that this year. My wife made a ham on Christmas, but I haven't eaten that much of it. And we haven't had all the pies and the cookies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, oddly enough, my uh, wife made a bunch of cookies I had maybe two or three of them, and then something happened that uh, she got a case of 
I don't know what, but it didn't dis- it didn't agree with her. She ended up barfing <laughs> the night after she ate made the cookies, and she wasn't sure if it was the cookies or something else she'd eaten, so she threw them all away. I said, "Praise the Lord," because <laughs> I'm always trying to figure out how to get them out of the house because they call my name and I love the things, but I don't want to eat that stuff. Um, I did that in 2020 and ended up getting COVID <laughs> for a whole 36 hours, day and a half. You know, felt like crap. Uh, but knocked it out with all natural stuff. No ivermectin, no nothing, no horse goo. It was all just extra stuff of what I had been doing with a little extra colloidal silver and uh, oil of oregano and knocked it right out. 36 hours, I was back to Abbey normal and uh, taste and smell came back. Everything was fine. So whatever it was, you know, it's a defect, you know, detox really is what it is. It's not an illness per se or an infection or anything else. It's basically seasonal detox and uh, having the sugar in my system didn't help matters, but um, we knocked it out quick and uh, haven't had anything since, you know, because I I learned my lesson. (laughs) Staying away from all the sweets during the holidays is a big thing, but a lot of people indulge in that kind of stuff this time of year. And that's why this time of year is called the cold and flu season, because people tend to eat a bunch of crap and their body reacts and detoxes. And that's what we experience when we say, I got a cold or I got the flu, um, nausea, chills, fever, um, aches and pains, or not pains, but just achiness and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's basically your body going through a detox. And I haven't done that in years because I don't engage in all that extra holiday garbage. I try and keep my life as stable as far as what I consume and what I do. I try and keep it the same every single day, no matter what's going on, no matter what alleged holiday is going on. Um, I don't really get into all that stuff. And as a result, my my intake of cal- calories and that kind of stuff, I, I keep sugar intake to an absolute minimum. And as a result, I don't have all that up and down, you know, whatever you want to call it, roller coaster health garbage. And uh, that makes a big difference. I, you know, if you've never tried that, try it once. You know, when, when everybody else is eating all the the crap, you know, the sweets, the, you know, the cookies, the pies, the cakes, the whatever. They're eating all that kind of stuff and just, you know, don't do it. And then watch what happens with them and watch what happens with you. You'll find that those people that engage in all that kind of stuff are the ones that end up with the runny noses, the colds, you know, the, uh, red nose, runny nose, uh, watery eyes, you know, flu-like symptoms, whatever you want to call it. It's just a detox. Your your body is expelling all that crap that they took in during the holidays. And this is, you know, the time of year because you got Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's all within 45 days, roughly, or less you know, closer to a month. And that's when people do the the vast majority of the crap consumption, <laughs> for lack of a better term. People suck in all that stuff during the, you know, during the holidays. I mean, with 
Thanksgiving, you got the, the pumpkin pie, you got all the other things that go along with it. And then it's the beginning of the cookie season. And people are eating cookies all during the month of December, along with other pies and cakes and Christmas parties and all the other junk. The punches that are loaded with, you know, uh, sugars and um, soda, you know, that kind of thing. You know, the, the sweet drinks that basically are carbonated most of the time, which, you know, break down your stomach acid so you can't digest properly and you can't get rid of all that garbage. And then, of course, all the other things that go along with it, um, the baked goods, regardless of whether they're loaded with sugar or not, they're made with flour and flour converts to sugar when you put it in your body. So even, oh, there was no sugar in there. It was just flour. Well, guess what? Refined carbohydrates, basically, you know, regardless of the form they go into you in, they turn into sugar once they're inside your body. Not good. And then, of course, you know, you hit Christmas, more sweet stuff, more cookies. Then you hit New Year's. And, of course, everybody's up all night long. Um, and that's the other thing. You're not getting a lot of rest because you're running around, you know, whether it's shopping, doing all the stuff that goes along with holidays. You're getting uh, less sleep and than normal, which is the situation for most people. People are staying up late at night, putting toys together, finding batteries and <laughs> all the other junk. This all part of the season. And then, you know, after the first of the year, you kind of crash and your body decides, OK, now it's time. I'm going to flush all this garbage out. And that's when all the flus and colds and all the other junk that people claim they have, it's just detox. Your body's expelling all that garbage. And uh, then hopefully you get over it and that's it. Unless you keep doing the stuff like when you hit February, what happens then around the 14th of that month? Oh, we have Valentine's Day, more cookies, more sweets, chocolates and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, man. And it just keeps going. So th that's why you see this kind of stuff this time of year, because it is notorious for intake of all that garbage. And it's the kind of stuff that you should not be doing. And the people that avoid that kind of stuff are the ones that really avoid the so-called cold and flu season. And uh, those are the smart folk. <laughs> And that's one of the reasons I haven't had the flu since I was a teenager over 50 years because of that. You know, I had the the COVID detox, which I guess you could say was technically the same kind of thing. Just basically it is. It's just getting rid of the junk. And uh, I had that for, like I said, a day and a half two years ago and learned my lesson. So I'm not doing that junk anymore. And there's no doubt in my mind, had I not done what I had done prior to that, I would not have experienced that at all. And I would not have had any of this stuff. But, you know, be that as it may, it's uh, where it is. And Alan says, let's see, Sarge, teaching health modalities that go against what is pushed by the elite, you are keeping the spirit of Christ alive. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate appreciate that. And, you know, that's the whole thing. 
I try to tailor my life as closely as I can to what the Bible teaches. And, you know, the, the interesting thing, if you look through the Bible, it is loaded with stuff that basically teaches how to take care of yourself. Genesis 129 is where it starts and it talks about that, you know, he's given us the trees and the grass, you know, all the plants that uh, they will be for food. And in other places, they say food and medicine. And that's basically what I try to live by. If you notice, if you read the Bible, you'll find that there are two groups of people that the Bible really never has anything good to say about. Number one is lawyers. Number two, doctors. Especially because the doctors that always tend to float to the top are the ones that in this day and age we will refer to as MDs or medical doctors. They practice allopathic medicine, which is anything but natural. It's basically witchcraft and sorcery. If you do a biblical search or study on pharmakia, which is Greek for <laughs> witchcraft and sorcery, <laughs> you'll find that basically the Bible has nothing good to say about it. And that's what pharmacy and allopathic medicine is all about using witchcraft and sorcery as a way to try and what they claim heal people, which is anything but it's symptom suppression and disease management. Uh, there's no health care about it, period. You know, when, when you see a um, doctor's office or a hospital or a clinic or something like that, along the road, if it says healthcare as part of the name or in their so-called um, business description or something, you should be able to sue them for false advertising because they have nothing to do with healthcare whatsoever. Honestly, it should be symptom suppression and disease management. When you come into our office, our job is to keep you alive until you leave. And we will always tell you that we have no idea what caused your illness and we have no idea what cures it because in their line of work, they have, they clearly have no idea because most of the things you go to one of these people for is a nutritional deficiency and they have no nutritional training. So they can't, they don't have a clue what causes their, your illness. And of course they're always taught in medical school that there is no cure. There is only treatment. And that treatment can be lifelong if it's a, chron a chronic health issue, like type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, macular degeneration, arthritis. Oh, there's no, we have, there's no idea. We don't have any idea what causes it. And there's definitely no cure. All we can do is give you drugs and maybe surgeries to manage that stuff because they are totally ignorant and they're out of the, they're fish out of water, basically. You know, it should be illegal for an MD to set up a street corner uh, office. Because when they do that, the vast majority of people that go in there are going in with chronic health issues that are caused by nutritional deficiencies and or they're going in, you know, people go in because, oh, little Johnny has a fever or the flu or what they're calling the flu. And those things, again, they're not caused by you know, bugs, <laughs> viruses, bacteria, germs. They're caused by detox because of all the crap you've taken into your system, 
your body finally reaches a point and it's usually in cold weather because not necessarily because cold weather's that bad. It's just that that's when it happens in the Northern hemisphere. You know, you have the, the major holidays where people take in all kinds of garbage into their system and really overloads it. I mean, during the year, they're, they're consuming the crap in the food, crap in the water, crap in the air on a regular basis. But this time of year, people are loading up on extra sugar, extra sweet stuff, extra carbonated beverages because they're at parties, they're drinking beer, they're drinking wine and champagne. Well, wine isn't, but champagne, uh, bubbly drinks, um, that kind of stuff suppresses your digestion because it, it basically uh, neutralizes your stomach acid so you can't digest the things that you're bringing in. And that is an extra negative and it just builds up. And finally, the body has all it can handle and it says, I'm going to purge. And that's when you barf, you get colds and, you know, you get rashes and you just feel like garbage. It's not because you got close to somebody else that had the same stuff. It's because you've been doing the same thing they've been doing and your body said, that's it. You know, we're taking a break. Time out. Blech. You know. And it's funny, you know, I have a, a dear friend of mine who is just wrapped around the beliefs of the allopathic system. And, you know, he was recently, he's got a couple of young, well, several young grandchildren that live very, very close and they're always over at their house. And um, a couple of them came over one day and had all snotty noses and everything. And of course, you know, because of the programming over the years, he tends to think that, well, I see this little kid with a snotty nose and he's close to me and I hold him and hug him and whatnot. Guess what? I'm going to get the same thing. And he does. Not because he got something from that kid, but because his mind told him that that kid had something that was communicable and he was in close quarters. Therefore, he needed to get it, too. Now, the funny thing is that he didn't notice that his wife is there as well, but she didn't get it. <laughs> You know, and that's the thing. It's the men mental aspect of this stuff that, you know, when they're they're in close quarters, it's either because they're living the same basic lives and in family situations, that's where it comes from. This BS about um, genetic illness that the doctors will always push is not that it's there's no such thing as a genetic illness. If you question that, get a hold of Dr. Wallach's book called Epigenetics, the Death of the Genetic Theory of Disease Transmission fantastic book and it basically dispels all that garbage and uh, you know right down to everything like you know one of the biggies is um because it's uh, related to people of color so to speak is um uh what's it called uh um, mm, shoot <laughs> my brain just froze up on me uh, um it's right on the tip of my tongue uh Sickle cell anemia, okay? Supposedly, if you talk to any allopathic physician, an MD, he will tell you that sickle cell anemia only occurs in black people because they've got a dreaded black gene that causes the problem. When in fact, it's caused by a genetic, or excuse me, a nutritional deficiency in mom when she's pregnant with the baby. And unfortunately, it is baked in the cake. It can be mitigated to some extent through nutrition, but you'll never get rid of it because it 
is baked into the cake because mom didn't have what she needed to make a healthy baby at the time. But they, they say it's only in black people. The funny thing is, is white people get the same disease. But in white people, it's not called sickle cell. It's called thalassemia. But it is exactly the same disease. And that's how MDs will push this BS about genetic illnesses. Oh, you got the blood, the dreaded black gene. You've got sickle cell. Well, you're a white person, but something's wrong here. You got the same set of uh, symptoms, but you're not black, so you can't have sickle cell. We'll call it thalassemia. Oh, gee, there you go. And they've uh, that's how they jump that hurdle. And it happens all the time. And then you throw in the wonderful salvation of vaccines. And when someone's been vaccinated against polio, per se, oh, well, if they come down with polio-like symptoms, it can't possibly be polio because they have been vaccinated. So what is it? We'll call it multiple sclerosis or hmm, some of the other things out there. I'm trying to remember the names, but MS is one of the big ones. Um, uh, transverse myelitis is another. Same exact symptomology as polio, but a different name so that they can say, well, he's been vaccinated against polio, so he couldn't possibly have a polio but there's no vaccine for MS or transverse myelitis. So we'll call it one of those things instead. And that's how they get around this BS of, oh yeah, vaccines are safe and effective. They work. Polio vaccines will protect you from polio. But when you come down with the same symptoms, we'll just call it something different. <laughs> and that's just the way they keep doing it. And that's what they've been doing for eons. You know, they killed George Washington by bleeding him to death. And all the other stuff that they've used, this, you know, hocus pocus garbage. And it just, you know, it goes away and they come up, replace it with something else. And it just keeps going. But uh, we're just about to the bottom of the hour break. So we will stop there for now. And uh, we'll just uh, come back in three minutes. Stick with us. Uh, we'll be back in three minutes with more Your DIY Health here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. Be right back. Welcome back to the second segment of today's edition of Your DIY Health here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. Uh, before the break, we were kind of chasing some rabbits. I started out talking about, well, we usually talk about weight loss, but then I remembered that uh, that's usually the one of the first couple shows of the new year after everybody's gained all the weight. <laughs> so we'll we'll save the traditional stuff for that. Uh, but then we got into a little bit more about um, the so-called germ theory and that kind of thing. 
And uh, I want to segue right into that. Um, there's a group out there called Space Busters, and they put out some excellent, excellent uh, videos on, well, most recently, it's been about the so-called germ theory, which um, they do great research and great uh, videos putting things together. The trouble is, is usually they're very long. Uh, they have an excellent one that they put out um, somewhere in the last six, eight months, I think is called the end of the germ theory. And it's two and a half hours long, but they've got a short uh, version that kind of breaks it down quickly. And it's called COVID-19 emergency or immunity in 19 minutes. And I want to play that for you right now because it kind of picks up where we left off during the first segment. So here we go. If I can get this to start. All rights reserved. We reserve all rights. COVID-19 virology fraud explained in 19 minutes. This is a strawberry. As an organism, it is made up of millions of tiny cells, proteins, tissues, and genetic materials that make up the organism as a whole, called a strawberry. Metaphorically, it can also represent a single human cell. When slid open, we can see all of the proteins, microbes, and parts within the cell that make up the entire cell as a whole. This particular strawberry is already dying because it has been picked from the nourishing vine that supplies it its life-giving oxygen, water, and minerals from the soil below. The only reason it is still alive is because it is surviving on the last oxygen, water, and minerals that its vine gave it before it was picked. Its days are numbered. The average adult human loses between 50 and 70 billion cells each day due to apoptosis, meaning the natural program death of old cells, plus millions of dying bacteria and microbes, and in the case of physical injury or a poisonous acidic blood pH from stress, worry, poor diet, lack of oxygen, and environmental toxins, billions more cells can die from necrosis or unnatural traumatic cell death. Our body's bacteria and microzyma eat all of this dead cell debris, and the body expels whatever they don't eat through the various excretory organs. Germs and bacteria are dead cell debris eaters. Viruses are nothing more than dead cell debris. Virologists observed in the late 1960s that when certain cells die either naturally or by being poisoned in a petri dish, the surface proteins morph into spike proteins, which they call virions, and the bulbous surface reminded them of the sun's solar corona, or halo. So they named this a coronavirus, from the Latin corona, meaning crown or wreath. This is a cell. This is dead cell debris or a virus. Cell, virus. This virus did not kill this cell. It was already dying of necrosis from the moment it was picked from the nourishing vine and my fist gave it the finishing blow. This virus is neither harmful nor contagious. It is simply dead cell debris. Now, the internal bacteria inside of the cell start to grow and eat the dead cell debris. They do not come from the atmosphere. 
They come from inside of the dying cell. Germs, dead cell debris eaters. Just like the virus, these bacteria did not kill these strawberries and are not killing them right now. They were dying from the moment they were picked from the vine in both of these cases. And my fist finished the job in the case of the jelly virus on the right. Just like this bird did not kill this roadkill, the car that ran it over killed it. The bird is the metaphorical germ eating the dead cell debris. Unfortunately, the early pioneers of virology like Virchow, Pasteur, Crook, and later Enders noticed that they always found these bacteria and germs in the tissue samples of people who had died or suffered from a disease and they just assumed they must have been the cause of the disease since they were always there. They didn't yet notice the bacteria were coming from inside the dying cells themselves. No different than noticing the rooster crows just before the sun rises and assuming that rooster crowing must cause the sun to rise. The bogus germ theory of disease was born and soon a multi-billion dollar a year pharmaceutical industry arose, selling people endless snake oil, cold and flu medications, antibiotics, vaccinations, and surgical procedures to remove excretory organs in the name of protecting us from these harmless germs. Some virologists are brainwashed in their allopathic medical schools and just not clever people. Others know the truth and are just plain frauds living off the cash cow. But here's what they are doing in a nutshell. They take a sample of sputum or snot, which is nothing more than the dead rotting flesh or cellular debris from the billions of human and bacteria cells that die every day inside our bodies and are being excreted by the lungs, as well as the other excretory organs which is why we find the different viruses in the different excretory organs, like this smashed strawberry virus. Then they mix those cells in a petri dish tissue culture with the sick dying flesh and cells of monkey kidney tissue. Like this dying pineapple. And then add some other sick tissue like cancerous alveolar A549 cells from human lungs with cancer. Then they add dying cells from sick calf and bovine. Just like this dying lettuce. And so you're left with this genetic soup blend of all sorts of dying cellular debris and genetic material from various sources. Then, virologists starve that soup of random genetic human, bacterial, cow, monkey kidney, and lung cancer cells and tissue of all nutrients to kill and deteriorate them even faster, just like picking the strawberry off of its nourishing vine, and they poison it with known tissue-killing and deteriorating substances like gentamicin, 
and amphotericin. And lo and behold, as the nutrient starvation and poisons deteriorate the cells, the internal bacteria arise to eat the debris and the cell proteins dissolve into spike proteins with the corona crown looking bubbles and virologists say, oh my God, there it is, the virus. We can see it now. Virologists never see these spike proteins before they starve and poison the cells. So sometimes they even add a protein dissolving enzyme like trypsin, which doesn't dissolve the cell's protein coating evenly and thus leaves the appearance of spike proteins. Just like this artist can't chisel this piece of wood evenly all at one time. So there they are plain as day under the microscope, spike proteins. This piece of wood must be a coronavirus. Virologists claim that the full genome sequence for one of these alleged viruses should be 30,000 nucleotide base pairs long. But how would they know? They have never once taken a snot sample, isolated a full genomic virus organism from it, nor have they ever done that by taking their usual genetic soup mix of human snot, monkey, cow, and lung cancer tissue that they've poisoned with enzymes and chemicals and isolated an actual virus organism out of that with a full 30,000 base pair sequence. Because they can't. Because there is no virus organism to isolate. A virus is just broken down partial fragments of cellular genetic material. Virus. Dead cell debris. As virologist Stefan Lanka points out, when cells die, they are broken down into submicroscopic particles, some of which virologists arbitrarily, meaning for no scientific reason, label viruses. Dying cell submicroscopic dead cell debris cell submicroscopic dead cell debris since there is no 30,000 base pair long virus organism in broken down cellular subatomic particle debris they have to design a fraudulent PCR test that is not looking for any such thing in your snot sample but rather smaller broken down genetic fragment primer sequences of 18 to 300 base pairs long out of 30,000 that are found in nearly anything and everything, like 90 known human genetic sequences and 92 known animal and bacterial genetic sequences, which is why we see COVID-19 positive tests on kiwis, goats, birds, Coca-Cola, papaya, durians, apple juice, motor oil, Spanish river water, blueberries, and now tap water right out of the bathroom sink. Geneticists and bacteriologists 
both used the Sanger and Maxam Gilbert methods to isolate other smaller than cell-sized microparticles and organisms like bacteriophages, bacteria, and even tiny little exosomes to map out their entire full genetic sequences. But since viruses are fictional make-believe organisms, virologists have to invent a make-believe full genome in a computer, which they call an in silico genome, like this paper, in silico-based whole genome phylogenetic analysis of SARS-CoV-2. In silico means in a computer simulation, virtual reality, fabricated, make-believe, fictional, completely made up, or simply imaginary. You'd be understandably frightened if fireologists told you an in silico fire was raging down your street and heading towards your house until you go outside and see there is no fire because it is an imaginary computer simulated in silico fire just like COVID-19 is an in silico virus. Virologists took the genetic snot soup sample from a sick person in a Wuhan China hospital with atypical pneumonia. They built an in silico COVID-19 virus genome in their computer using the BLAST tool, mixing the previously in silico made imaginary sequences of SARS Wuhan Hu1 and bat coronavirus RATG13, and then they told the computer to rearrange that sick person's genetic snot soup sample until it matched the new SARS-CoV-2 sequence their computer made up. If you wanted to, you could tell the BLAST tool to put in the genetic sequence of a banana, and the computer would rearrange anybody's genetic snot soup fragments until they matched a full banana genome. Since no two people on Earth have the same exact genetic fragments floating around in their snot, every time you tell the computer to rearrange someone's snot into the made-up in silico COVID-19 genome template, the computer will have to do it slightly differently than the original Wuhan person, making errors and having to fill in the blanks along the way and they call this virus mutations, showing us brainwashed imbeciles wearing hazmat suits to protect them from an in silico computer glitch, variations or mutated strains, and scare you into taking endless injections each year to protect you from the newest deadly make-believe in silico mutation. Selling people fire insurance for make-believe fires. Ask yourself this. Would you inject yourself with your grandma's old rotting kidney tissue to make you immune from catching her old age? Would you inject yourself with a teenager's pus-filled acne to make you immune from catching his acne? Then why would you inject yourself with chemically poisoned rotting flesh from sick dying monkey kidneys and sick cows, as well as somebody's lung cancer cells to make you immune from poisoning your own cells to death through your own lifestyle choices, diet, stressful mindset, and environmental toxins. Because that injection is exactly what a vaccine is. 
But you have a live virus vaccine, you say? Sure. Viruses are dead cell debris, not living cell debris. So not only did they inject you with starved and poisoned to death, rotting human cancer cells, dead rotting cow cells, and dead rotting chimpanzee kidney cells, like this AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine insert shows, but they also mixed that dead rotting flesh with the dying but still slightly alive tissue of a genetically modified human fetus's embryonic kidney tissue. And now you have a live virus in you as well. Why not just cut out the middleman and start eating dead babies for health? Now, some people might be appalled by that statement, yet remarkably are not appalled by walking out of a clinic with a sticker on their shirt that proudly says, I just injected aborted fetal kidney tissue into my bloodstream for no beneficial reason. What's the difference? As Dr. Tom Cowan says, instead of discussing how dangerous and ineffective vaccines are, we need to discuss how bacteria and viruses have never been proven to cause any disease. And as virologist Stefan Lanka says, anyone who closely analyzes what virologists actually do in the laboratory to prove that these particles they call viruses cause disease will easily see the absurdity of their conclusions. And here's what the general public is not being told. The New York State Health Department did an elaborate polio study and did not nor could not make even just one person or animal sick by either close contact with polio sufferers or injection of their mucus. The United States Public Health Service did the same extensive experiments and also could not successfully make even one person sick. Other experiments done at the time swabbed the mouths and throats of prisoners and orphans with the mucus of people sick with polio and could not make a single person sick. All three extensive studies concluded polio was not contagious. During the 1918 Spanish flu, Dr. Milton Rosenau and the U.S. Public Health Service tried close contact, breathing, intimate contact, casual contact, injection of mucus into the bloodstream, and even rubbing swabs from sick people directly into the eyes of hundreds of healthy people. In not one instance could they even make just one person sick. The Spanish flu was also not contagious. They even tried it with horses and could not make one single horse sick. You can learn about the real causes of that pandemic in the last 20 minutes of the film Biochemistry Debunks Corona. Dr. Fraser of Canada and Dr. Powell of California have experimented with billions of germs, bacteria, and all varieties but they have been unable to produce a single disease by the introduction of germs into human subjects. Not one. Dr. Waite tried for years to prove the germ theory, but could not do so. Germs are neither harmful nor contagious. From 1933 to the present day, virologists have been unable to present any experimental study proving that influenza spreads through normal contact between people, 
even injection, all attempts to do so have met with failure. That is why they have to call it germ theory and cannot call it germ fact. You are now immune forever from COVID-19 and all other contagious viruses because you cannot catch something that does not exist. And there you have it. You've just been immunized against COVID. (laughs) Probably the only safe COVID vaccine that will ever come about. There you have it. I just love Space Busters, and I want to thank Unplugged for turning me on to them. They have just uh, changed my life and my way of thinking. I've always wondered about the so-called germ theory, but uh, these guys really uh, brought it to a head for me. And on top of that, there is uh, a book that I just finished reading called Goodbye Germ Theory, Ending a Century of Medical Fraud and How to Protect Your Family by Dr. William P. Trebing, I think it is, T-R-E-B-I-N-G. And uh, at the very end of the meat of the book, I guess you could say, he has a, uh, a statement by Clarence Darrow, who was the defending attorney for the school teacher in the famous Scopes Monkey Trial of 1925. And... Um, It's a very interesting uh, statement that he makes about the allopathic medicine community or the MDs of today. And I'm going to read this for you. It says, the efforts of the medical profession in the United States to control the treatment of human ailments is not due to its love of humanity. It is due to its love of its job, and I would say money, which it proposes to monopolize. It has been carrying on a vigorous campaign all over the country against new methods of schools of healing because it wants all the business and insists that nobody shall live or die without its services. Whether it cures more or fewer people than schools which do not use medicines or whether it cures anybody at all are debatable questions which I I shall not attempt to discuss. I stand for everybody's right to regulate their own life so long as it doesn't infringe on other people's rights to do the same. If a man wants to live or die without the aid of the medical profession, he should be permitted to do so. If if he hasn't this right, it is pretty hard to tell what right he should have. Now, I would have no argument with the medical profession if they would leave me alone. I am willing that they should advertise their wares, but I object to being forced to patronize them. They have specifics, vaccines, to prevent one from catching almost every disease, yet not one of them can explain how the prevention is brought about, nor can he prove that it does prevent. They are not content to vaccinate only those who apply to them, but they ask the state to compel everyone to be vaccinated. I might as well ask the state to compel everyone to hire me to try their law cases. Sometime, if they keep on, and they will keep on if the people give them the chance, they will be able to vaccinate us for everything, and we shall be compelled to submit. I have watched this medical profession for a long time, and it bears watching. And I know that there is not a single thing affecting human life that they will not lay their hands on if we give them a chance. What a perfect ending to this text. (laughs) Nothing says it better. Learn your rights and exercise them well before it's too late, and you lose all of them, 
remember, stating it clearly about the true nature of law or lawlessness today is this. If people do not know their rights, then they have none. This medical cartel is looking to consume every aspect of our lives, and only the people, empowered with the truth of their sovereign rights to freedom, can stop them. There is still time to stop them, and I urge everyone reading this text to reach out, speak out, share what you have learned, and move forward. It cannot be done, or excuse me, it can be done. I've got one more quote to repeat for you from Winston Churchill. If it is, it is better to fight when there is little chance of winning than to have to fight when there is no chance at all. And that's quite, that's a paraphrasing. I uh, should have looked up the original. It's a really good thing. But the bottom one is it's, it's, you know, it's better to fight when there is no chance of survival because it's better to uh, die than to live as slaves. Anyway, something like that. I was paraphrasing as well. Uh, but that's uh, the end of the book. And then it goes into forms. It has legal forms that you can utilize to basically stop people trying to force vaccines on you and your children and that kind of thing. Um, the book is available both in hard copy, which I have here next to me, and in the Kindle version as well for about 10 bucks or so. I recommend both because this is the kind of thing that could very well disappear. And, uh, well, we'll figure that out when we get back to the, on the other side of the break. Stick with us, and we'll be back in three minutes. second hour of today's edition of your DIY health here on the truth frequency radio network and before the break I was uh, talking about the uh, good the book I just finished reading goodbye germ theory ending a century of medical fraud and how to protect your family by dr. William P Trebbing and uh, one of the things I was saying is the book is available both in hard copy uh, which I highly recommend because these kind of books uh, if you have just the electronic version uh, let's just say I've had electronic books disappear off my uh, devices in the past when someone deemed them not to be appropriate reading. They can't do that if you've got the hard copy in your hands. So I have the hard copy that I just actually finished reading, and I have the electronic version because this particular book has forms in the back that deal with um, – Oh, all kinds of different things that, you know, if someone's trying to force you or your child to be injected with whatever to attend a camp or school or whatever, uh, they have a whole bunch of uh, legal forms that you can, uh, if you have just the hard copy, you can copy out of the books, which 
takes hours and hours and hours of retyping stuff. Uh, but if you have the electronic version, you can actually go in and copy and paste into a, you know, a, a word processor document, saving you tons and tons of time, easily worth the 10 bucks that you're going to pay for that electronic book. So, um, and the forms are, are pretty decent. The ones that I've looked at, um, they cover things quite well. And like I said, if you're into uh, this kind of thing, you can modify them and uh, change it to fit your own particular situations and change the wording a little bit, whatever the case might be. But it gives you a good solid um, uh, basis or template to begin with, which uh, can be a handy thing in this day and age. So anyway, it's something you might want to think about. But I really, really enjoyed reading this book because it, it dealt not only with the germ theory, but it also dealt with the history of alleged vaccines and the fact that basically there has never been a single vaccine that has done anything good. <laughs> you know, right down to even a, a tetanus shot. Um, it's just, you know, it's all bogus. And uh, I will never take another vaccine of any kind whatsoever. I am proudly anti-vax. Um, it's taken me a little while to get to this point, but uh, the last vaccine I had was in the early, early 80s. Uh, when I was on the police department, I got shot during a training accident uh, incident or situation with a blank. Uh, and blanks can definitely do some damage, especially at close range. And this thing, the, the muzzle of the gun was about 12 inches from my right hand, which is what ended up getting shot. And uh, I ended up with a cotton wad and a bunch of uh, gas and gunpowder and stuff in my right hand that just blew up like a boxing glove. It was really cool. And uh, this is when MDs are good. You know, we went to the local ER and, uh, you know, the the attending physician said, I've got a, a, a what do we call it, uh, intern upstairs that has never dealt with a gunshot wound is it okay if he comes down and observes and i said as long as he doesn't block my view because <laughs> i want to see too and uh, i got to watch him his flushing you know they had to uh, use betadine and flush out the wound and then reach down in and dig out the the cotton fragments and all that kind of junk and it was really cool and uh, then i got to pack that wound every every day with uh, uh gauze it's called new gauze. It's just a packing stuff because wounds like that need to heal from the inside out. So you don't use stitching. You don't sew them up. You you pack it in, and then every day you pull the old stuff out, you know, clean it, put new stuff in, and slowly but surely, it took about two weeks, and my hand healed from the inside out, and everything's fine. It works. Every you know, have no no lasting side effects or anything. But as part of it, they recommended I take a, a tetanus shot. And not knowing any better, I said okay. And that's, that was in like 19, probably 84, 85, something like that. And that's the last thing I've had uh, vaccine wise. And I'll never take another thing because I, there's no doubt in my mind, had I just kept that thing clean and, and done a good job, it would have healed just fine. I wouldn't have had to worry about it. But whatever the case, uh, it was an interesting situation. I got two weeks vacation, so to speak, off with pay. <laughs> and it was pretty cool. Plus, I get around, oh, I've been shot, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, really, really, in, the book is really interesting. And, excuse me, they um, cover a lot of bases on all kinds of different things. But uh, both the alleged germ theory and the 
BS of vaccines in general. So highly recommend the book. And um, there are several others out there that um, I'm, I just am now working on. It's called What Really Makes You Ill and uh, Why Everything You Thought You Knew About Disease Is Wrong. And that's a cool one. And then there's another one that's um, uh, it's called The Poison Needle from 1957 that talks uh, pretty much about vaccines as well. Um, but there is a lot of information out there that has been suppressed on both the alleged germ theory as well as um, injections. And thank goodness the stuff is still available and people can get a hold of it. Uh, but you got to look. And anyway, um, since the COVID stuff started, I've written, uh, read, uh, what, I think 13 or 14. I think this one was book number 14 on uh, diseases and whatnot. You know, we've got the case against and four vaccines and um, the, uh, what's his name, um, COVID-19 and the global predators. That's another one I'm going to be working on here soon. Um Vaccines, the biggest fraud in medical history is another really good one. Uh, finished that a while ago. Um, and there are many, many of them. Tr uh, unreported truth about COVID-19 and lockdowns, COVID-19, and you know, we have face masks, vaccines, and those are the um, Alex Berenson books. He's done, I think, five of them now. You have the small ones that are more like little, you know, almost like pamphlets, but they're, they're, they're more to it. But they have face masks, vaccines, um, uh, let's see, um, induct, uh, the introduction to death counts and estimates and update on estimation of lockdowns and uh, limited examination of lockdowns and strategy. And then he's got a bigger book. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was called. I'm having a hard time finding that one here. But uh, it's a, uh, it's, I think it's like Pandemia or something like that is the name of it. Um, but they've been going after Alex Berenson, you know, and he is one of those people that's not, you know, he's pro vaccine from everything I can see, except for the COVID ones. So not someone I would really, you know, but he, he's a writer, you know, and more than someone who's really into science and that kind of stuff. Anyway. Just, uh, you know, there's a lot of good books out there and easy to find. And one that I recently obtained that just came out is by um, Ed Dowd. And uh, it's called uh, Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022. And again, this one is really, really good. Um, if you have somebody that doesn't believe that the jabs from the COVID stuff are dangerous, stick this book in front of them and probably two thirds of the book is nothing but stories, you know, news clippings of people who have died from taking these jabs. And the cool thing he does is he puts a little um, QR code next to each one and a thing that says, you know, show that this is real. And if you scan any one of those QR codes with your, with your phone's camera, it will bring up the actual articles, you know, talking about each one of these people and all the things going on, you know, from sports figures to little kids uh, and just heartbreaking stories. So um, another really, really good book, both available. I think it's like 25 bucks for the hard copy. 
which is a hardback. And uh, you can get the um, digital version, electronic version for like, 10 to 14, something like that. But uh, again, something that if you if you got somebody that questions the uh, or honestly believes that these things are safe and effective, stick this in their face. Uh, if they still believe it, just say next. You're an idiot. I'm not wasting any more time with you. <laughs> but uh, lots of uh, good information out there. And uh, going along with the um, what we listened to on the, the 19 minutes about uh, the COVID-19 immunity, um, I have the uh, video, the end of the germ theory. And again, it's two and a half hours long. But um, there's a segment where they talk, and I think this is really, really killer, um, because they're talking about a couple of conjoined twins Masha and Dasha from Russia, who shared a circulation, circulatory system, you know, the same blood system. And, well, let me just play this for you. Oh, it's not playing. <laughs> That's weird. Hmm. I don't know why. Let's try this again. The children and cause anything. None of her family had the flu, not even a sniffle. And it was in the winter with deep snow on the ground. I'm going to back this up. That's on the market. Their own Frankenstein monster, which they themselves had created with their vaccines and suppressive medicines. They wanted to shift the blame away from their vaccines. So they called it the Spanish influenza, which explains the soldiers. But what about the regular civilian people? Did this maskless body collector know the truth? That the First World War was of a short duration, so the vaccine makers were unable to use up all of their vaccines on the soldiers, so they decided to sell it to the rest of the population. They drummed up the largest vaccination campaign in U.S. history. Their propaganda claimed the soldiers were coming home from countries with all kinds of contagious diseases and that everyone must have all of the shots on the market. The people believed them. First of all, they wanted to believe their doctors, just like today. And second, the returning soldiers certainly had been sick from their vaccines. So no... A virus or bacteria did not cause the Spanish flu, and vaccines did not eradicate it. Vaccines caused it, and once they were sold out of vaccines, the pandemic instantly stopped. But what is more interesting about Dr. McBean and her doctor parents living through the Spanish flu pandemic is that their testimony, too, debunks the contagion myth. She tells us that the flu hit only the vaccinated. Those who had refused the shots escaped the flu. Her family had refused all the vaccinations, so they all remained well all the time. Hers seemed to be the only family which didn't get the flu, so her doctor parents went from house to house doing what they could to look after the sick, as it was impossible to get a doctor then. Just like the failed contagion experiments we've already discussed, if it were possible for germs, bacteria, virus, or bacilli to cause disease, they had plenty of opportunity to attack her parents when they were spending many hours every day in the sick rooms. But they didn't get the flu, 
and they didn't bring any germs home to attack the children and cause anything. None of her family had the flu, not even a sniffle, and it was in the winter with deep snow on the ground. Only the vaccinated died. Then we have the strange case of the two Russian conjoined twins, Masha and Dasha, who each had their own lungs and organs, but because their circulatory systems were interconnected, they shared the same blood. Dasha was always prone to colds, but not Masha. And as children, one would become ill with a childhood disease like measles, while the other would not. If the measles was a bug, it would have been in both of their bodies and in their collective bloodstream. So why didn't they both get the measles? This phenomenon was seen over and over again with the girls. Flus, colds, and other childhood diseases were all experienced separately, never together. Which would explain why neither Dr. Sellards of Johns Hopkins nor Dr. Hess of New York were able to transmit measles or chickenpox in all of their experiments, because germ theory is nonsense pseudoscience. We'll get into what those really are later. But first, in order to address virology misconceptions and fraud, we need to address polio. After all, didn't Dr. Salk's 1955 polio vaccine eradicate polio like we are all told? Well, only if Dr. Salk also invented a time machine to go back seven years to December 1948 and give out his vaccines when polio cases were almost non-existent already, the exact same year when farmers stopped spraying food crops with lead arsenate pesticides when DDT became widely available. Unfortunately, it was short-lived. As it turned out, DDT was an even more dangerous neurotoxin than lead arsenate. And right after the mass crop spraying of DDT in early 1949, a new spike of polio cases suddenly arose that was 80% higher than the lead arsenate was causing. It didn't help that they were also spraying this neurotoxin on the streets, in the water supply, in their gardens, and even on people and children. The word poliomyelitis was coined from the Greek words polios, meaning gray, and myelos, meaning marrow, plus itis, which means inflammation. Thus the word means inflammation of the gray matter of the spinal cord, the brain, or wherever in the body gray matter is found. Every cell in the human body contains a small amount of gray matter. Inflammation is the result of poisoning. This poisoning damage, decay and disintegration of cell structure can result in paralysis and in around 5 to 10% of cases, even death. As Dr. McBean points out, isolated germs have never been known or proven to attack and cause decay and disease in any part of the body. And so polio was never eradicated by Salk's vaccine because vaccines do not eradicate nervous system poisoning. Polio is not a virus. That is an unproven theory. It is a toxic inflammation disease that was simply rebranded or renamed into several other medical terms like Goulain-Barre syndrome, transverse myelitis, 
multiple sclerosis, and a few others that have the exact same poisoning symptoms of gray matter that polio did. So they can give credit to the vaccine for eradicating the disease and now blame a new disease for the damage their same vaccines are causing. There they are in Pfizer's nine-page list of 1,300 diseases their COVID-19 vaccine has caused worldwide. Goulain-Barr syndrome, multiple sclerosis, multiple sclerosis relapse, multiple sclerosis relapse prophylaxis, myelitis, and myelitis transverse, or transverse myelitis, or polio. We see this over and over again when sanitation and hygiene improvements, the stopping of certain vaccines and toxic medicines, or the removal of environmental toxins already has a disease on a downward trend toward eradication. And then they come out with a vaccine near the end of the trend and claim it eradicated that disease, as seen here in the U.S. and U.K. when the Salk polio vaccines came out in the late 1950s. And the same here with measles, scarlet fever, typhoid, whooping cough, and diphtheria. All of them were declining and well on their way to rarity, and then the vaccines came out and took credit for it, like the diphtheria vaccine in 1920, which may have even been the cause for a two-year spike in diphtheria. Whooping cough was nearly gone when its vaccine came out in the late 1940s, and the 1963 measles vaccine is a joke, as it was less than one death per 100,000 people who expressed it since 1947. Dr. McBean's book, The Poison Needle, covered in detail the other causes of polio besides vaccination and pesticides, and you can pause and look at this overview if you like, because we need to move on now and look at virology and virologists. And yeah, I'm going to stop it there, let it go a little bit further, just because polio came in on the end of the thing about Masha and Dasha. But um, I find it interesting that uh, conjoined twins sharing a circulatory system never, ever, ever got the same disease at the same time. Which, if it was blood-related, if it was a bug that was going around, it would have affected them both instantly. You know, there's no way around it. But, you know, that's a, if that's not a good proof that the germ theory is all bogus, I don't know what is. And that's why I wanted to play that. So anyway, I put the link to the uh, entire video, the end of the germ theory by Space Busters in the chat room. And I also um, put it on the Telegram channel so people can find it in either one of those places. And uh, I encourage you to watch the whole thing. It is phenomenal. And as always, with all these videos, it's one thing to hear the, the, video, the audio portion, but it makes so much more sense. And... Uh, it's it's so much more striking when you see the video that goes along with it, especially that 19-minute one we played because they were talking, you know, we're smashing a, a strawberry and saying, you know, first thing you have in the strawberry is the cell and then the smashed strawberry is the virus. You know, it gives you, it's a great, paints a really good picture. But anyway, um, just uh, some other interesting information. And... Um, Again, like I said, uh, after that 19-minute one, that's probably the best inoculation you could ever get against this thing because I honestly believe the mind is a powerful, powerful thing. 
And I, I truly believe that a lot of people got sick and died as a result of psychosomatic illness. In other words, they believed they were going to get sick because of all of the 24-7, 365 programming, talking constantly about COVID-19 and how deadly it was. Not once did you hear on lamestream media that has a 99.7% survival rate for the average American. Just that it was killing people all over the world and that it was so deadly. And people heard that over and over and over again. And when they came down with these detox symptoms, they said, oh, you know, and of course they took a PCR test, which, you know, early on, everybody that took one came up positive because they wanted to boost the numbers. And of course, you know, they were told it was a death sentence and therefore it was. And their body literally died because they believed they were supposed to die. You know, I, I, I honestly believe that that's the case. And I've, we've seen that kind of stuff over and over. I've seen uh, stories of people that were uh, finding themselves, you know, they were playing around on railroad sidings. And they got into a uh, refrigeration car. The door closed and latched from the outside. They were stuck. Even though the, the reefer unit, the refrigeration unit was not turned on, the temperature never got below 50 degrees, but they believed that because they were in a refrigeration car, they were going to freeze to death. And they did at 50 degrees. You know, that's how powerful uh, the mind is. The, the, the guys in the military, they get shot in the arm and they thought that, you know, if I get shot, I'm going to die. And even though it was a through and through wound that it could easily have been patched and they'd have healed up in no time, they believed that they were going to die. They went into shock and they died. That's how powerful the mind is. And there's no doubt in my mind with all the programming that went on for the last couple of years with COVID, a lot of these weak-minded idiots got this stuff, you know, basically went through a seasonal detox and they were diagnosed with COVID by their idiot physician. And as a result, they believed they were going to die, so they did. And... The reverse is just as true. If people who are educated and watch that 19-minute video and actually saw what was going on and what a fraud this whole thing has been from the get-go, you, I think that is one of probably the best inoculation, you could say, or immunization against not only COVID, but virtually every disease now that, uh, you know, you should be happy that you've been listening <laughs> and if you want to get a, a booster go back and listen to the 19 minutes again this time watch the video don't just listen to the audio portion and it will give you a much much better <laughs> inoculation so anyway um one to uh well goodness we're down to about another minute and we're going to be at another break <laughs> uh on the other side we're going to talk about what these jabs have been doing to people and uh, it's Dr. Sherry Tenpenny has weighed in on it. And I've got a really good article we're going to cover. And it'll probably take the rest of the show. So when we get back from the break, we'll do that. Uh, hopefully, it's been uh, interesting so far. And uh, I really, really, really um, want to thank everybody that's been listening. Uh, you've been helping yourselves just by listening to what's been going on and hearing the truth about this stuff. Something that you will never hear on lamestream media or on most um, so-called alternative media, for that matter. 
because the vast majority of people, including dear friends of mine who are naturopathic physicians, have bought into the germ theory. You know, that's something that sadly is taught in virtually all medical schools, uh, not just allopathic. And that's one thing where a lot of uh, good people have uh, unfortunately uh, been led to believe the wrong information. They actually think germs are real. So anyway, stick with us. We'll be back in three minutes with the last segment of today's edition of Your DIY Health here on the True Frequency Radio Network. We'll be right back. to get it all back they say we'll legalize your drug deal but you gotta give us lots of check well wake up you're being screwed pharmaceutical drug guys can be so rude they don't care if you live or you die long as they get that piece of pie my 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 don't care if you live or you die Long as I get that piece of pie. And welcome back to the last segment of today's edition of Your DIY Health here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. And um, like I said, we've been talking pretty much about COVID and all the crap around it for the last you know, several years, but, you know, during the show today. And, you know, first we had the bogus illness that, is basically a seasonal detox. It was just no different than the flu. You know, it's basically, it's the programming around it and the release of 5G technology at the same time that made everything so bad. And people's minds did the work and did the rest. You know, basically, you program their their mental computers and hit the start button and the rest is pretty much all by, it does its job all by itself because people are so easily led to believe certain things because again i've i've said this for years the uh, uh, public fuel system and fluoridated water are two of the biggest problems that this country is facing because it literally wrecks the ability of the human to be able to think critically Um, you're programmed on how to respond and how to react uh, but not what and how to think and that makes a big difference. And people's minds are being wasted. They're being programmed. And once they're programmed that there's a sickness out there that is going to kill everybody, it's a you know, simple progression from there to, to introduce you know, problem, reaction, solution. You know, create the problem, they have the reaction, and then you have the predetermined solution, which is the COVID-19 mRNA jabs, which are nothing but toxic bioweapons. And uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny has kind of weighed in on things again. She's been researching this stuff and has been somebody I've followed for almost 20 years now, uh, the whole time that she's been looking into the vaccine issue and has been really shedding the light. I think she is probably uh, one of the absolute uh, number one leaders in the vaccine truth movement and uh, just absolutely amazing person. And um, she has been doing a lot of research, but uh, one of the things I wanted to check in, and I've, I've got an article here, I'll put the link to it in the chat room, it's already on the Telegram channel, um, 
So anybody that wants to can see the whole thing, but because we're running out of time, one of the things or the whole gist of this deal is will 2023 be a tsunami of regret? Dr. Sherry Tenpenny predicts the worst is yet to come with the fallout of the COVID shots. And there are people that are thinking that we're seeing right now um, with all the death and destruction that are being caused by these shots. And like I said, in the, uh, the book that um, Ed Dowd put out, you know, that basically highlights so many people from all age groups. Uh, and the worst part is people that are normally were not affected by this young kids and people that are working age who are now just, you know, constantly dropping dead without any warning or just suddenly, um, and of course, the medical community is looking at everything. They're coming up with excuses after excuses as to what's happening. And all because they won't look at the huge, you know, 5,000 pound elephant in the living room, which is the COVID jabs. You know, they're blaming it on everything under the sun except the real cause. And um, as a result, um, I want to, uh, let's see here. I'm going to play this video. Uh, which will pretty much take us up to the almost the end of the show. I may not play the whole thing, but this is uh, Dr. Jane Ruby interviewing Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and discussing these jabs. We're finally going to know the truth. This is a five to seven year plan for death and disability. Immediately, months later, one to two years, and five to seven years. So we're in for a long ride because as I've warned you, the formula in these shots changes all the time. We are in for a tsunami of regret, an imminent era of shock and awe. This is the Dr. Jane Ruby Show, and you're about to enter Truth in Medicine. Always been consistent and helpful towards saving humanity. What she is about to lay out in tonight's show is that there are actually now four phases known for people who've taken the shots. The caveat is exactly what I've been saying for two years now, that there are many different things in the shots at any given time, and even within the same lot number. Formulas are changing all the time because they can under an emergency use authorization, which they are getting away with continuing in spite of the absence of any evidence of any kind of health emergency. The primary poisons can be different on any given day, but nevertheless, these shots are filled with different types of poisons, either in the adjuvants or the lipid nanoparticle constructions or in the genetic code. Some of them are mRNA codes, others are partial codes that no one knows uh, what they are coded for. Dr. Tenpenny will break down across these four phases, which she has categorized as immediate death, several months later due to spike proteins that have had the time to, to grow and concentrate, one to two years out with cardiac deaths now peaking, and the fourth phase she will describe, which is five to seven years out, with multiple manifestations of autoimmune diseases, antibody-dependent enhancement. It's obvious if you go looking at 
the Pfizer and Moderna and other numerous pharmaceutical company pipelines on their own websites, that their pipes are bursting with mRNA technology. So many hundreds of drugs are going to be pushed at you. Do you think that's because it's been so safe and successful? Because this technology is safe? No, of course not. People, animals, everything dies with it. Or do you think it's because they're being incentivized to join in on cleaning up and wrapping up this mass genocide operation? I'm going to stop it there for just a second. One of the things to keep in mind here, if um, if you're a parent, if you have children who have uh, had childhood injections or will be being pushed towards those, keep in mind that many of the manufacturers that make the childhood vaccines, the MMRs, the DPTs, the, all the rest, many of those companies are now moving towards changing the formulas for those injections to the mRNA stuff. So childhood shots, which, you know, before were, you know, luckily most of the kids that got them survived them. And there were only a small handful of children that were taking these jabs that uh, developed the really bad, you know, either died or had the, uh, the brain swelling and all the other things that go along with it, including autism. But we're going to see that change in the near future as these new versions of these shots are rolled out using mRNA technology, which is just going to continue to kill people uh, on a widespread basis, just as these are doing now uh, with the COVID jabs. So keep that in mind. If you have, if you or someone you know that has kids that are getting shots, warn them about this and tell them that they're going to start seeing the same kind of problems with the childhood injections that are now coming through with these COVID jabs. So let's continue. Dr. Tenpenny will go on record to predict what she calls a tsunami of regret. God help us all. Well, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny has been at the forefront of the COVID hoax from day one, and actually even before that. Dr. Tenpenny graduated from the University of Toledo and then went on to complete her medical degree at Kirksville College in Missouri. Just about everything she's predicted that would come forth for those who've taken these bioweapon shots has come to fruition. And it's been way too long since she's been on the Dr. Jane Ruby show even though she's been what I consider a remote mentor of mine, whether she knows it or not. And I'm so excited to welcome her back to the show today. Dr. T, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me back, Jane. Yes, it's been a while and it's great to see you and talk to you again. Yes, I've actually missed you. Just the two of us have been running so crazy and I know you're speaking all over the place, but um, I'm really happy to have you. Um, you know, Dr. T, I, I talked to Dr. Marble the other day and he said, you know, we're at peak death and destruction from, from these shots. And I, I thought, wow, okay, you know, love talking about that. I know you've predicted a lot of things related to antibody-dependent enhancement, timing of the shots. I, I'd love to get into that a little bit with you um, starting here. What, do you, what are your thoughts about this? Is there a paced out death and destruction well, I really like Dr. Marble, but I would have to disagree with him just a little bit. I don't think we're at the peak at all. I think that we're at the front end of the curve. I think that what we are going to see, you know, is going to be an accelerated hockey stick 
over the course of the next several years. You know, sadly, it's it's a claim that I wish I didn't have. It's a claim that I wish was wrong, that everything that I've talked about and mentioned since March of 2020 has fallen into place, been off a little bit on the timelines, but everything has been exactly what I said, because back in, you know, because they think about this in March of 2020 is when the pandemic started. It was in December of 2020 when they released the Pfizer and the Moderna shot. And it was February of 21. So we haven't even been a whole year since they released the Johnson and Johnson and the AstraZeneca shots, which they've sort of quietly taken off the market. They didn't make a big deal of it. They just quietly took it off the market. And at the beginning, you know, when I talked about the 40 mechanisms of injury and I said, well, category number one is, is acute death. Those were the large number of people that, that die within the first 48 to 72 hours of getting a shot. Anaphylactic shock, blood clots to the lungs or to the brain, heart attacks. The second is the spike protein um, death rate, which is um, the spike proteins are real. The spike proteins have been around for a while. And just because people are saying, you know, we're looking at these slides and we don't see any spike proteins now, doesn't mean that they weren't there for the last two years. They're changing the formulas a lot. And because this is still under EUA, they can change the formula up to 49%. They can change it and not even notify the FDA or let anybody know that they've done it. So I think that they're changing things all the time. So people are saying, well, this isn't there. And now it's only hydrogel and, and graphene oxide. That may be the primary players now, but it probably wasn't the primary or the only players back all the way through 2021 and maybe even through most of 22. We know that the cardiac deaths are going to start about, they're starting now. That we're seeing all the people that with the sudden deaths that they've they've come up with this fabricated name called SADS, you know, sudden adult death syndrome for healthy people. And doctors are perplexed that they don't know why people are just dropping over. And that's going to be the next several years, the next two to three years. And then the the um, the antibody dependent enhancement when you get after you've created an antibody, and you're re-exposed to garden variety coronaviruses, and all and that is category three. Mm-hmm. And also the cross-reactivity of the antibodies to joints and organs, that's a longer-term play, somewhere between five and seven years. And then there's the fourth category that all the miscellaneous things fall into, like the early fetal demise that I know you've spoken about a lot, um, you know, the... Um, the, the, the long-term deaths in terms of infertility, the cancer rates that are going through the moon. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of those things, the all-cause mortalities for all the different things, because we know the Pfizer shot has over 1,200 different types of syndromes and diseases and conditions that people can develop. And that's a little bit longer term place. So with all due respect to Dr. Marple, I don't think we're, we may be at peak death right now from what we've <coughs> seen from the beginning, mm-hmm. but this is not the peak death. This is like the front edge of all the deaths that we're going to be seeing over the next several years. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, especially with the way you just laid it out. And I wanted to touch back on something you said, because it's something that it sticks in my craw, too. And I've talked about it and I wanted people to understand why we're talking about the fact that some people come along here and there. They claim to be experts and they say, well, I looked at five vials 
or I looked at maybe 50 vials and I didn't see any mRNA or I didn't see any graphene. Uh, and you, you really hit the nail on the head with that because you can't make a comment about the total population when you've only looked at a representative sample. And this is like a red flag to me that people are trying to steer the narrative in a different way. What are your, what are your thoughts on why people would even do that? Just incompetence in science or, or sort of maybe like sort of work in the narrative in a different direction for another purpose? Well, I think it's not only is it a small sample size to look at five or 50 or even 100 vials, you are looking at a sample size of sample of vials at a specific point in time. You don't know what came before and you don't know what came after, Mm -hmm. you know, because of that. I think that website is how bad is my shot? Yep. Team Enigma. Yep. Absolutely. That one, what that is. And we knew for the last two years there was like this, this graph and just for your, you know, like this, and then you'd see a big spike right. and it like this. And I said, that was German data. And I said that um, if you were the good guys, you would see that big spike and go, oh, well, we don't ever want to use that lot number. But if you're the bad guys, you would say, that's the lot number we're looking for. What was the, what were the ingredients in that? Or, or was that the ones that, you know, were refrigerated, not refrigerated, you know, the higher concentrations of SM-102, I mean, more messenger RNA, more or less. We don't know because we don't have a package insert. And if it's really true from an EUA perspective, and I've had lawyers tell me this, mm-hmm. that from an EUA perspective, that they can change up to 49% of what's in that particular lot vial and not have to notify anybody. We know that there's whistleblowers now from inside of Pfizer about the quality control and said there's no standardization. They're receiving things from China and just putting them in the vials that aren't even labeled. We know that we have no idea what it is. So with the researchers that are saying, well, I looked at this set of vials And instead of saying, I don't see any messenger RNA, what would be the more accurate thing to say is this is what I see in these vials, which doesn't negate everything else. Correct. And so the reason why they would do that, I don't know, Jane, I'm I'm telling you, there's so many things inside of this industry. You know, I've been doing this 23 years Mm -hmm. and I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly of, of the circumstances and of people and of different things. And, and to me, it's like somehow people want to be the hero. Mm. I am the one who found all these things. And we're in the middle of a two billion person experiment right now. We're still in the middle of the experiment. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. And right now, the whole focus is on hydrogel <coughs> and graphene oxide and maybe 5G. Well, what this? if we have the same conversation this time next year, mm-hmm. it could be something completely different. And so I think the the correct thing to say is where we are right now in this continuum, this is what we are seeing that's causing the problems. That doesn't negate what wasn't there before. And it doesn't say, well, we, you know, it wasn't about the spike protein or messenger RNA or the polyethylene glycol that we don't hardly ever talk about anymore, or the polyethylene glycol combined with the, with the, with the graphene oxide in the presence of hydrogen, which gives us magnetic charges. And we don't see a lot of videos anymore of people like putting coins on their head. So did they dial that back a little bit? Did they change things? Because they're in the process of changing things as we go. They're monitoring the outcomes. They want it to be bad enough that people get sick and they become, as Todd Callender would say, you know, the homo borgenesis, Mm -hmm. the new species, right? Yeah. We want them that we want, 
3.5 billion people to die, but we want the rest of them to become a new species. So we got to continually tinker and tweak with the dosage and the ratios inside of these things so that we don't kill 100%. We only kill all at once. Right, right. And interestingly, you brought up the how bad is how bad dot info, how bad is my batch. That's the Team Enigma group. And one of the things they found out, which totally buttresses what you just said, is that each company sets the number of, of doses, because there are six, five, whatever doses in a vial, but they set the number of doses per lot number themselves. And what they found after some hackers got in to the Pfizer and Moderna system was that there was up to 1.5 million doses per lot number, and not all of them had been deployed. So like you said, there's the up and down, the different parts to each lot number. And then in addition to that, who knows, maybe they're adding things and putting the same lot number going forward. And so it's, it's, it's causing sort of a, you know, runaround. Uh, it's, it's so diabolical. It is. And, and it's just, and, and there it's purposely done. It goes all the way back to the 1980s and what we have long referred to as the Wyeth memo, you mm. know, the Wyeth memo for your interest, for your, um, for your audience. That was in about 1982 mm-hmm. when they were sending out, you know, large sets of lots to particular areas. And this was for a DPT vaccine that this particular lot number all got concentrated. And I believe it was in a place in Tennessee and they had like quite a few, like five, mm-hmm. seven, 10 infant deaths. And the president of Wyeth or the CEO of Wyeth that came out and said, we can no longer send a full lot number into a particular area because if there was something that was a hot lot, there would be far too many deaths in that area and they'd be, people would be able to figure it out. So now we take a lot number of say a million doses mm-hmm. and we disperse them across the country. So if that was a bad lot and it was going to cause deaths, there would be deaths all across, scattered all across the country and they wouldn't be able to track it back to that one lot. So it does wouldn't surprise me that they were not, if they were doing the same thing with the COVID shots as what was uh, decided in the eighties around what's called the Wyeth memo. And your audience can actually Google that and look it up and read about that. People. Well, this has been something that I've been talking about for a while. I spent 20 years in the pharma industry. I wasn't a consultant. I wasn't a business analyst. I was, you know, I was in the company so that when the vendors, they would stand up and say, could all the vendors leave the room? Those were the people that you see, like the whistleblowers, Karen Kingston, who does great work. But the point is those were vendors and they would be excused from the room. And those of us on the inside, like Dr. Michael Yeadon and myself, were told the dirty truth. So here's what's happening. The violations are unbelievable. The uh, Albert Borla, the, the CEO of Pfizer himself, has gone on over and over again on TV, and he is off-label promoted, which is against the law, not off-label prescribing. I've taught people that's within a doctor's or a nurse practitioner's purview, but he has off-label. He's the commercial arm of the company, and he's off-label promoting, oh, if you don't you know, take Paxlovid, if it doesn't, you get sick again then take it again, another round of it. You can't do that. But we have watched, Dr. T, this blatant disregard and getting away with violations of these federal laws. So where are we going? I don't know where we're going to go, Jane. It doesn't, you know, the 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 good news is, is that uh, more and more people are beginning to see it. I really disdain the phrase waking up. Mm. Because to me, if you're not out of a coma by now, you probably are <laughs> never going to be. But becoming more aware, I think, is maybe a better phrase, you know, that they it's like um, 
it's like I've used this analogy sometimes. It's like standing on the edge of the beach in the it, it's still dark outside. And you're there about an hour before sunrise. Mm -hmm. And as the sun starts to come up over the horizon, the the things start to lighten up and then the color changes sort of a little light pink. And, you know, and and it isn't until like in that that second where the sun pops up over the edge of the horizon where it gets really bright. And I think that right now we're sort of in that phase of the pink and yellow starting to show up. You're starting to be, you're starting to see things Mm -hmm. and be more conscious of things because there's more light being shined all the time on the truth about what's happening. I'm going to stop it there just because we're just about out of time. And uh, I've got the links on the telegram channel and in the chat room for anybody that wants to hear the whole thing. That's the compilation of three actual videos that Dr. Ruby has on our Rumble channel, and the links are in the article. Um, It's about an hour and a half worth of stuff that they uh, basically compressed down to 24, 25 minutes. Um, One thing I want to make sure I get out there is if you know anyone who has been injured by one of these jabs, get them in contact with me. We're hearing more and more. So far, I've got videos of three different people who have been really uh, critically injured by these jabs and they got a hold of an Itericare wand and have basically gotten most of their function back. And again, these wands are not medical devices. They're just a home electronic device that happen to put out warm air and terahertz frequencies that uh, are frequencies that the cells are designed to resonate at to stay healthy. And these devices simply by blowing that air on over your body, it gives the cells the energy they need to fix themselves. And we've seen some virtually miraculous recoveries that people um, who were so damaged by these jabs, you know, there's no telling, you know, if they ever would have got their health back, but they have gone from wheelchairs to running up and down stairs and jogging again. Uh, one young lady had a gun in her mouth. She was so despondent from the pain and agony and everything that she was going to take her own life and managed to hold off for a week. And she saw the testimony of one of the other gentlemen who got results using this wand. She got one and had similar results in just a few weeks time. She was back to almost normal. Um, These things can help people recover because they help the body uh, with its detoxing system and the circulation and everything else. So uh, the body is fearfully and wonderfully made, and God knew that we were going to be dealing with this stuff, and I'm sure that he would have um, made the body able to deal with it, which is pretty much the case here. You know, these people that say, you know, your your DNA has been modified permanently and you can't get anything back, I don't believe that for a second. I think the body can fix itself if given the right stuff. And between the nutrition and the Itericare wands, ideally using both would be the best program so far however people are getting great results just using the wands so uh, send them to yourdiyhealth.com have them get in touch with me one way or another and if there's any way possible if they can't afford it i'll see to it that they get one so that's it for today we'll be back uh, tuesday next year uh, with more and uh, I encourage you to join me in an hour on Spreaker.com if the show's going to be great. God bless you.